Do your kids want more Mystery Kids episodes? Are you sick of the same ones playing every single day? Well, we have the perfect place for you. Head over to become a Patreon today. For $5 a month, you'll get two more bonus episodes, plus episodes that are already in Patreon. Episodes like The Deepest Hole on Earth, The Great Emu War in Australia of 1932, The Bombing of Hawaii's Volcano, The Dancing Plague, The Ohio Grassman, and some animal fact episodes about the pangolin, the ai the axolotl, and the taipan, plus much, much more. This makes a wonderful birthday present for your kids and gives you way more to talk about as a family, which is the whole point of the Mystery Kids podcast. So for $5 a month, you can get two more bonus episodes plus all the past episodes. To become a patron, go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com backslash Mystery Kids Pod and sign up today. Thank you so much for your support. On today's episode of the Mystery Kids Podcast, we'll be talking about the Chicago Fire. Welcome to Mystery Kids Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And I wanted to do a quick shout out to our newest patrons, which the Patreon support our podcast for $5 a month and they get bonus episodes. So I want to do a huge shout out and thanks for a huge shout out to Sersha, Oliver and Julian from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to Hobbs. Will Peters, who also, I hope you had a wonderful birthday. He just turned nine. Luca from Rose Valley. Leo and Aurora. Alexandria, AJ, and Meyer. Luke. And if I didn't get your name, make sure to head into the app to tell me your child's name so I can make sure to shout it out. We are into a new month, which means new birthdays. So it is my middle child's birthday this month. My Jamie or Jameson will be five this month. So happy birthday, Jamie. Happy birthday to Isabella H. from San Marcos, Vaden, Jenna, Julia Adamac. I hope I said that right. Jacqueline, Savannah, Nathan, Layla Lawrence. And last up is Ronan. If I did not give you a birthday shout out, make sure that you fill out the birthday form, which is in the show notes below, or head to Instagram if maybe you've already filled it out and I didn't get to or didn't say it, head to Instagram and send me a message. The Instagram is at the Mystery Kids Podcast. Today's episode was inspired from Mason from Utah. I'm so excited to talk about it. So we're going to talk about Mrs. O'Leary and the Chicago Fire. I found this song on Spotify, so I'm going to share it with you right here that kind of inspired to do this episode. So it's called Mrs. O'Leary's Cow. Okay, so here's the words. If you didn't hear it clearly, it said, Late one night when we were all in bed, Mrs. O'Leary lit a lantern in the shed. Her cow kicked it over, then winked her eye and said, There'll be a hot time in the old town tonight. Fire, fire, fire. So this is a very well-known song that's about Mrs. O'Leary. And it's actually talking about the Great Chicago Fire. So did Mrs. O'Leary's cow actually start the Great Chicago Fire or is it just a legend? They believe that this actually did begin in a crowded barn where Kate O'Leary kept five cows that she milked twice a day in order to support the five O'Leary children. She also owned a horse that pulled the wagon as well as a calf. 
So her and her husband, Patrick, had just laid up coal and wood shaving and hay for the winter. Mind you, this was back in 1871, which actually helped feed the flames when the barn took fire. Supposedly, it said that Kate actually admitted to a bunch of different people right after the blaze started that she was in the barn when one of her cows kicked over a lantern. So they actually went in and they found the broken pieces of the lantern while they were snooping behind her cottage because they wanted to see if this is what actually started the disaster. There's still plenty of reason to think that it actually might have not been Mrs. O'Leary and her cow, which she had three cows named Daisy, Madeline, and Gwendolyn. So they might have been innocent because she actually offered a sworn testimony that she was in bed when the fire started. And the official inquiry concluded that she had no proof. They had no proof to find her guilty. Also, the theory of the broken lamp that was found in the barn, they actually never found this evidence. Um, apparently, it had kind of been disappeared or covered up. So it's quite possible that she wasn't even the one that made all of this happen. The reason that the O'Leary story is so popular is because it actually gives a clear and concise reason for what could have possibly happened because this fire ended up being an extremely, extremely deadly fire in this time. And it was deadly and dangerous for everything around them. So it was a nice scapegoat or a way out to be like, oh, this is what happened when in truth, we don't actually know what happened. So what was the Great Chicago Fire? The Great Chicago Fire was a configuration that burned the American city of Chicago during October 8th, until the 10th in 1871. The fire killed approximately 300 people and destroyed roughly 3.3 square miles or nine kilometers squared in the city, including over 17,000 structures and left more than 100,000 residents homeless. So the fire began in a neighborhood to the southwest of the city center. After a long period of hot, dry, windy conditions, the wooden construction pre prevalent in the city led the fire to leap across the south branch of the Chicago River, and it destroyed much of central Chicago, and then it leapt the main branch of the river and consumed the near north side. So this river, they thought they were kind of safe on the opposite side of the really big river, um, but it ended up leaping across the river and destroying the opposite side as well. Now, help came from all over, and the city government improved building codes to stop the rapid spread of future fires and rebuilt rapidly to those higher standards. So instead of having all these wood buildings that could easily catch fire, they ended up using more like stone bricks um, and metal so that these buildings wouldn't burn as easily again. There was a donation from the United Kingdom that spurred the establishment of the Chicago Public Library, which was a free public library system, in contrast to the private fee-for-membership libraries that were common before the fire. 
Another reason that this fire spread so quickly was because of the destruction of the water pumping system. So they used a lot of wood um, as part of this water pumping system. So when all of that caught fire, they weren't able to just pump water all over where they needed to spray it. And you're thinking like, today we have hoses and fire hydrants and like water underneath, and it's usually in metal pipes. Well, back then it was completely different. They didn't have what we have today. So more than two thirds of the structures in Chicago at the time of the fires were made entirely of wood. And that's why they were so flammable. And even more is the houses and the buildings were usually topped with highly flammable tar or shingle roofs. And the sidewalks were actually made of wood. To make matters even worse, Chicago only received about an inch of rain from July 4th to October 9th. So they had severe drought conditions before the fire. And then they had these really strong winds that would help keep the fire lit and then continue the spread of the fire. So back in 1871, the Chicago Fire Department had 185 firefighters with just seven, 17 horse-drawn steam pumpers to protect the entire city. Now, a steam pumper, it is literally just like a steam-type engine thing that was pulled by a horse that carried water in it. And so they would just have to keep refilling it to send it over to where they needed the fire. The problem was the fire was everywhere. Now, the initial response when they saw the fire was really quick, but due to an error by one of the watchmen, the firefighters were sent to the wrong place. So the fire went unchecked. Oh my goodness, I can't even imagine. And then there was an alarm that was sent from the area near the fire also failed to register at the courthouse where the fire watchmen were. The firemen had actually been really tired because they just fought numerous small fires and one large fire the week before. So they were really, really tired and exhausted and they missed the alarm that they needed. And then they missed the address of the correct place to go to, which made the fire spread quick and it went unchecked. So they again believed that this Chicago River would actually act as a fire break, which means um, that, that there is a place where the fire can't catch, right? And you're thinking, that makes total sense. It's a river. How in the world would it go across a river? Well, along the river were lumber yards, wood yards, warehouses, and coal yards, also barges with numerous bridges going across the river. So as the fire grew, the southwest wind kept getting worse and worse, and it made it really, really hot, which caused the structure to catch fire from the heat and from the burning debris blown by the winds. So around midnight, the flame debris blew across the river and it landed on the roofs of the south side gas works. Now the fire has jumped across the river and it was headed towards the heart of the city of Chicago. And they were in sheer panic. And about this time, the mayor, which name was Roswell B. Mason, he sent the messages to the nearby town saying, we need help. This is just spreading out of control and it's gonna consume all of Chicago. When the courthouse actually caught fire, he ordered the building to be evacuated and the prisoners that were jailed in the basement to be released. And about 2.30 on the 9th, the cupola of the courthouse collapsed, sending the great bell crashing down. So the cupola, I'm, I'm assuming, is the part at the very top 
of like old buildings that would hold the bell. So like someone would go up and ring the bell to get people's attention. And so this bell crashed all the way down to the basement. And some witnesses actually reported hearing the sound of the bell dropping from a mile away. Now let's add to the craziness of the Chicago fire. Oh my goodness, this just gets crazier and crazier. So there is a fire whirl or what's known as a fire devil that happened. It's also sometimes referred to as a fire tornado. It's a whirlwind that's induced by fire. And these start with a whirlwind and it's usually made like visible by smoke. And it happens when there's an intense rising of heat and really strong winds. So it's creating like this tornado vortex of fire which caused a lot of debris that was on fire to go so far. And that's why so many um, roofs were being lit on fire is because debris was basically being sucked up into a tornado type thing and being sent on the roof of houses. So when this started happening, this is actually how it leapt across the river on a different part. So now they've got this fire on the opposite side of the river. And now it's got two different sides that it's come across the river. So I mean, all these firefighters are just going in different directions, just trying to help as much as they can. But again, everything is flammable. And then to make matters even worse, which you didn't know they could be, but guess what? They can get worse. A burning piece of timber lodged onto the roof of the city's waterworks. So then the building was put engulfed in flames and destroyed. And that took out the city's water mains and the city became helpless because they literally ran out of water. Finally, on the evening of October 9th, it started to rain, but the fire had already started to burn itself out. The fire had spread to the sparsely populated areas of the north side and had consumed the densely populated areas throughout. They actually couldn't go look at the damage for several days because everything was just too hot after the fire. It destroyed more than 73 miles of roads, 120 miles of sidewalk, 2,000 lampposts, 17,500 buildings, and about $222 million in property, which was about a third of the city's value in 1871. I looked up how much $222 million would be today with inflation, and it turns out that it would be $5,260,835,901. To protect the city from looting and from violence, the city was actually put under martial law for about two weeks, which means it's under military control or suspension for a time. So usually they um, act in curfews. So they're like, you have to be in your house by eight and you can't leave your house till six um, because they are so overwhelmed. And if you don't follow the rules, then the military um, can put you in prison. So in Chicago at that time, there were 324,000 residents And out of those 324,000 residents, 90,000 Chicago residents were displaced and were homeless. So that makes one in every three people did not have a home. They did find 120 bodies, but they believe that the death toll was probably as high as about 300. 
Now, all these horrible things happened, but there were so many people that came out to help this city during this time. Um, New York gave a lot of money and food and provisions. St. Louis gave money. Um, the Council of London gave money and um, other private donations. Scotland actually raised money for them. Cincinnati and Buffalo, um, they donated thousands of dollars. Milwaukee and other nearby cities helped by sending fire fighting equipment, food, clothing, and books were brought by train from the entire continent. And there was the Chicago Relief and Aid Society that was created to help if anything ever happened like this again. Now, this was an absolutely fascinating story. I remember hearing about it um, probably back when I was about 11 or 12 and thought it was such an interesting story. So thank you so much, Mason, for recommending this story. I hope it was fascinating for you. And on the Mystery Kids podcast, um, website, I'm going to have some different books that you might want to read about this. Um, I know that there is an episode. If you have Disney Plus, it's called the show is called So Weird. Um, it was filmed back in 1999. I was only let's see, 11 at the time. Um, but this was a really good one. And one of their first episodes it is their first episode called Family Reunion. It's actually about the ghosts of a boy that drowned um, during the Chicago fire. So um, if you like mysteries or want to get into ghosts, um, I highly, highly recommend that series. It's really fun, but it can be a little bit spooky. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast. I appreciate all of your support and we'll see you next time on the Mystery Kids podcast. Thanks for listening.